This is the Race Hubs Pit Report Podcast with Brad Huber. Hello and welcome to the Racing Hubs Pit Report. I'm Brad Huber here in Indianapolis, the first show of 2022. So Happy New Year to everybody. Hope everybody had a great uh, Christmas, holiday season, and New Year. We are going to jump right into our guest this week. Uh, he drives for Kate Moyer Sports in the USF 2000 ranks. Uh, Jackson Lee, your sophomore season coming up in the USF 2000s. Talk about uh, your offseason and uh, what you've been doing kind of this offseason to get ready for the new year. Yeah, it's for sure been my most busy offseason I've had in pretty much my entire racing career. But uh, it's been it's been good for me. I've been able to improve a lot. I've been doing a lot of testing with Cape Motorsports, and we've really been able to dial in on my driving style and really improve on myself. Uh, and I'm, I'm confident we're going to be able to have a strong start to the 2022 season. So all that has been been great to be able to work on that over the off season. So it's not such a jump or just not such a shock when we get into it at the start of the season. Uh, and Cape Motorsports has been a, doing a great job helping me and getting me prepared for the season. Let's uh, go back to the beginning, as I like to do with the guests. Uh, how did you get interested in racing and what led you to want to become a race car driver? I know your dad does uh, motorsports on television, but for you, what led you to want to get into motorsports at such a young age? Yeah, uh, dad definitely had a big part of it. Um, you know, Growing up around racetracks and seeing him on TV was really cool. Um, but my interest was really sparked from my mom's side. So I've got some cousins and uncles over there who race sprint cars and go-karts and stuff like that growing up. And when I was really young, I went to one of my cousin's sprint car races and uh, my parents made the mistake of telling me that he started racing when he was about seven years old. So <laughs> I can do this too. And then from there, it just, that's what got the ball rolling. And dad's definitely been a big help though, with his connections and his, uh, his, insider perspective on motorsports has been a big help. And you started at, in the USAC Corey Midgets and worked your way up to go-karting as a lot of young drivers do, but you also played a lot of other sports too, growing up there in Avon. What led you to pursue racing outside of, I know your dad kept talking about you and playing baseball uh, there in Avon. What led you to choose racing over baseball or any other sport? I, I think as a young kid, I just thought racing was different. Not too many kids were driving race cars and I thought that was cool. Um, but I just, I really had a passion for racing. That was just, um, you know, I really liked baseball and basketball. I had a lot of fun playing those as a kid. Um, but with racing, it was, you know, that, that was what I was thinking about 100% of the time. And it was always, if I had to choose between a race or a baseball game or something like that, the race would usually win. Um, for whatever reason, that was just, it, it's always where my passion was. And so, as we mentioned, you grew up in karting, uh, and then uh, you moved over to the Lucas Oil School of Racing and had a chance to go overseas in the F-1600 championship. Just talk about that experience uh, going from go-karts to bigger race cars and then getting the chance to go overseas to race a little bit. Yeah, um, well, I think the Lucas Oil School of Racing – is really the best possible option to move into formula cars because just the way they run their program, how they have their coaches set up, how you get so much feedback and you're able to learn so much and get a lot of track time. It's just such a great way to introduce yourself 
to uh, formula car racing. You just, you get so much track time and you learn so much with that series. Um, and then getting the chance to go over with the team USA scholarship to England and run in the formula Ford festival modern Hayes trophy. That was, that was a super cool experience and just the competition and how they race over there was next level. And it really just kind of throwing me into the fire and saying, go figure it out. Um, was certainly, certainly a big help. And when I came back to America to race over here, I, I could see the difference in just how I was racing and how I was able to take advantage of every opportunity on track. Um, cause they don't give you anything over there. You have to earn every one of your passes. So it's certainly, it certainly was a big help in my driving style. And then going from the F1600 championship to the road to Indy program, you got connected with Jay Howard. So talk about how that connection helped kind of guide you now into the ladder uh, in the road to Indy coming up from the F1600s. Yeah, uh, I mean, my first season in USF, we always knew it was going to be kind of a learning year. Um, you know, there's such good competition in the series right now, and it was going to be tough to win that first year. Um, but I was able to learn a lot, and um, it was it was cool to work with them and be able to just develop as a driver. Um, and now I'm um, I'm excited to get into my second year of the USF 2000 and see really what I can do now that I've got all that experience that I can come back and go to these tracks a second time, knowing the car and be able to really really put on a good performance. And one big difference between the F1600s to the USF 2000s on up is that you didn't have a wing right on the back end of those F1600 cars. So, you know, talk about the difference between kind of going from, you know, those cars to USF 2000s and how they drive differently. Yeah. um, The power wise, it's not too much different, but the big difference is from the extra grip from the wings and also a lot of added grip from the, the Cooper tires. It's just there's so much more rolling speed through the corners and you have to get used to just being able to, to carry that speed through the corner. And it's not like a 1600 where you can kind of float the speed around where you really have to charge a USF into the corner. Uh, and it just it took a while to figure that out. But um, they're a lot of fun to drive. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with where I am in, in the USF series right now. And so you talked about now your sophomore season. You went from Jay Howard Developmental Racing now to Cape Motorsports and a partner ship with a very cool sponsor and a cause, the IU Cancer Center. Just talk about how this new deal all came together that you just recently announced within the last uh, few weeks, getting ready for 2022. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm certainly really excited to be partnered with the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center. Um, it's going to be cool to kind of use my platform to be able to give back for a good cause. Um, and I think that's going to be a really cool partnership. I know I'm certainly excited to get to work with them and they're super excited to get to work with us. Um, and I think that's just going to be a really cool partnership that a lot of good things are going to come from. And yeah, the IU Cancer Center certainly is a not-for-profit and cancer, uh, the battle against cancer is really important to me personally, as I've had it, my youngest brother has had it. And then just in the last year, my dad uh, passed away from it in December. My grandma passed away from it back in February. So uh, is it just a straight-up sponsorship, or is there some things that get to do with the IU Cancer Center in terms of helping try to find a cure for this deal? Yeah, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise awareness for, um, for the Cancer Center, and we're going to do that by putting on a bunch of events and fundraisers for them, um, and we're going to do – 
a lot of things around kind of the month of May and celebrating um, the Cancer Center and what they can do. Um, so we're going to use those as opportunities to try and raise money and raise awareness for the Cancer Center. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I think it's going to be a really cool opportunity. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, any money going towards any cancer and the fight against cancer is big for sure. But now you talked about it going into your second season. You have a test coming up down on the road course at the Homestead Miami Speedway in February before you go to the streets of St. Petersburg. How is your confidence level now going from last year to this year now going back to racetracks that you have seen before? Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. Um, and you see a lot of the drivers in the USF 1000 series who are winning are in their second year. Um, and just the amounts that I was able to improve from the beginning of the weekend to the end of the weekend, I think it's, it's given me a big confidence boost. And along with all the testing we've been doing over the offseason, I'm, I'm pretty confident that um, given that we are able to put everything together, that we can have good weekends and, and it put a strong run for the championship. With all the testing we've been doing over the offseason, it's been, you know, I'll have a lot of seat time recently in that car so I can jump into St. Pete running and I'm not going to have to spend any time trying to learn the car again and trying to get myself situated. And what are your goals now for this test coming up in mid-February down in Homestead, kind of your final test before the, re the season begins? Um, so for the Homestead test, uh, we're really just trying to just finalize all all our packages and make sure that we're ready to go for the season. Um, it's just kind of a last opportunity to get it set and make sure we have everything where we want it. Um, and just the extra seat time is good. Just trying to make sure that I'm um, at the top of my game and driving how I need to be before the season starts. Um, so it's just, we're using every opportunity we get on track to learn as much as we can and try and try and perfect everything before we get going for real. And who have been some of your role models or people who have really helped you? I know you mentioned your dad, but, you know, maybe any other drivers, any coaches who have been uh, people there that really helped you. I know you drove for Jay Howard, who also is a former driver. Yeah, um, dad has certainly been a big help in my career. You know, he's seen drivers come up through the ladders and make it any car he knows what they need to do. Um, and he's certainly been a big part of it. Uh, my mom as well has been a big part of my career and helping me out. Um, I would say a lot of why I am how I am as a driver and as a person are because of my coaches and mechanics at a young level in my career. So I had, I had some karting coaches, and mechanics, um, a guy named Scott Manifold and then another guy named Ron Funkhauser were a few mechanics I had who were a big help as far as my career goes. Um, and they kind of shaped me as a driver and got me those building blocks of how I race. Um, and they've just been a big inspiration on how they, um, how they organize themselves and how they are able to, I guess, run the program. And they were, they were a big influence on my career. And who are some of your role models, kind of maybe uh, current drivers further up, maybe in IndyCar, further up the ladder? Uh, who has been some of your role models you've kind of looked at over the years of your driving career? So I've always been a Dario Franchitti fan um, and really I'll admit I'm a little bit of a bandwagon. The first race I ever went to was the 2010 Indy 500. And after he won that, I decided, all right, this is the guy I'm going to root for. <laughs> um, so I've been a Dario fan, but after he retired, I've, I'm, I'd consider myself just a race fan. I like to, I like good close competition. Um, 
I like what's good for the sport. You know, I definitely have my favorites. Um, there are guys who I know personally from like working out at Pit Fit. There are some guys who I, I know through there and guys I met through dad. Um, but really, if it's a close race, I'm happy. And you've always been more of an IndyCar guy versus other forms mm -hmm. of racing. Do you watch other forms of racing also? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an F1 fan. Um, how can you not be after this past season? Uh, <laughs> and I watch a little bit of NASCAR, but I'm definitely, you know, a big IndyCar fan. And that's where that's where my passion has been, you know, through just watching dad on TV. That's where I that's where I want to race when I grow up. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy all forms of racing and, and I've got some short track interests as well through uh, my mom's side of the family. Um, but yeah, IndyCar is, IndyCar is my main passion. Indeed, it's hard to not be IndyCar first here in central Indiana. But now that you get set to go back to the racetracks again, do you have a favorite racetrack? Do you have a racetrack that you don't like? You know, what are your expectations or what races you kind of circle going forward? It's like, you know, this may be my opportunity to perhaps uh, have a good finish or maybe even podium. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's a racetrack that I don't like. I'm definitely excited to get – uh, get back to Indianapolis, just being, that's my home race. And then just how, how special the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is. That's such a cool, cool opportunity to get the race there. Um, and then also that being in front of a home crowd, uh, it's, you know, it's just a really, really cool race for me. I I've always loved road America. Um, that was a fun track for me. Um, but really, I mean, I'm just excited to get back in the car and get back to racing. Uh, I mean, yeah, can't be any less excited for St. Pete. That's going to be you know, fun to get back in the car. And it's also a really cool event. So I'm, I'm super excited for that. And you get to start earlier this year than you normally do in mm -hmm. the past. Normally St. Pete is in mid-March, moved up to the end of February. So it kind of shortens your off season. The USF yeah, 2000 schedule is, what's that? It's also not going to be as hot, which is nice. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, the USF 2000 schedule is interesting in that it is majority or mainly road course races and street course races other than one which is Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Have you always enjoyed road courses or ovals, or do you have a, a certain type of racetrack that you like better than others? Yeah, I, uh, I don't have too much oval experience. I mean, I ran quarter midgets growing up, but it's completely different. It's a really short lap, and you hold it flat the entire time. Um, but the chance to run on the oval, um, it was definitely a really big learning curve. You know, it's, it's a completely different driving style to what I'm used to. And it took a little bit for me to get going, but that's going to be, um, that's another race that I'm excited for to get back and show what I've, uh, what I've learned on the oval. Um, I mean, I like all kinds of racetracks. I don't really have a specific place that I don't, um, that I don't like it's, you know, I love tracks with elevation changes and fast flowing racetracks, places like Barber or, you know, road America, um, mid Ohio as well. Um, but you know, I'm all race anywhere. It's all, I just like to be in a race car, to be honest. <laughs> and you, like a lot of young drivers are trying to balance school and racing. You're at IUPUI right now. Uh, mm -hmm. how is that balance and, you know, trying to get your schoolwork done and your classes while being on the road for races? I would think it'd be like any other athlete, whether you play basketball, baseball, softball, whatever. Uh, how is that balance going between your school work and being away for race weekends? Yeah, exactly. It's just like any other student athlete. Uh, I just have to work with my professors and try and get work done ahead of time. 
Um, and I'm, I'm only taking classes part-time right now because I understand that it's just going to be really busy to be able to race along with schoolwork. Plus, I'm doing a um, full heart coaching season this year as well, which is just going to add to the amount of work I have this year. Um, but, you know, it's you just got to work with the teachers and get it, get, get work done ahead of time. It's not it's not that bad to manage as long as you stay ahead of it. What is, what is your major IEPUI? I'm majoring in motorsports engineering. So okay. hopefully I can learn some things. I haven't actually started any motorsports specific classes yet. Um, but once they start, I'm hoping I can learn some things to help me with developing a race car and just being able to just learn more about the just the engineering side of it. I know a lot of race teams appreciate a driver who has that knowledge of engineering and what goes into fixing a race car and making it go faster week in and week out. Uh, obviously, your number one focus is your driving career, but with that major and that degree that you'll get down the road, have you thought about maybe other positions involved in, in racing also? Yeah, if the I mean, that was always the, the plan. If my racing career doesn't work out, I'd like to have a career somewhere in motorsports. And I think that being an engineer for a team is just would be the best fit. Um, so I'm, I'm doing that as, as a backup plan. Um, and then it, it'll they'll help each other. My racing experience will help as an engineer and the engineering experience will help as a driver. So it's good to kind of to weave them together. And what are your goals in racing? Are they to get to the NTT IndyCar series or what, what are your goals? Uh, as I like to ask a lot of young up and coming drivers. Yeah, that's always been the plan is to try to make it to IndyCar, but really I'm not, I'm not, not that close-minded about it. I, I'll drive wherever I can. If I can make a living driving race cars, whether that's IndyCar, NASCAR, sports cars, whatever, I'll, I'll do what I can. And who are, who are some of your friends in racing or people that you can talk to to relate uh, do you have a lot of other friends there in the USF 2000 ranks or other drivers from the local area? Who do you talk to uh, to kind of relate or get advice from? Yeah, I mean, I've certainly met a lot of the guys in USF and become close friends with them. Um, and then there are a few of them who live locally in Indianapolis or not in Indianapolis, but in Indiana and just the area who uh, who I've been friends with and who I can talk to about stuff. Um, but as far as like the drivers go, we're all, you know, we're all good friends, but on track, we're trying to beat each other. So that's not, you don't share too much, but at the same time, you want to see each other be successful along with yourself. Um, so if I, if for advice, I usually go um, to through dad's connections to guys who have already made it or to other people in the industry rather than other drivers um, with maybe on track stuff, you know, it's, it's tough to get a competitor to tell you how to go faster, but if you can find <clears throat> other people who have done it and moved on, then you're likely to get better advice. So, you know, I, but I've made a lot of great friends in the USF 2000 series and we're all, you know, we've got a couple of them who we all go to pit fit together and train. Um, so yeah, it's just, you gotta look after yourself though first. So people don't always give the, the best advice at that level. Then talk about the other steps, you know, to being a race car driver. It's much more than driving the race car and things that you have to learn, not only to market yourself towards sponsors, but also uh, deal with people like us in the media. Uh, how has that learning experience gone in the other forms of, of becoming a race car driver? Yeah, and that's a lot of what dad's been able to help me out with um, since he's been close with the media side and he is. You know, he, he is the reporter. He knows what they're looking for and he knows what I have to do to be able to sell myself and to sell my partners. 
so he's been he's been great with being able to to train me on the media side and to be able to represent myself and my 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 partners. So that's been certainly a big help. And ever since I pretty much since I moved into Formula Cars, we've been doing practice interviews, and he's been just working on me trying to get as as good as I can on that aspect of it. Cause that's, that's almost more important than the driving. If you can't sell yourself, then you're not going to make it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good uh, key because sponsorships is everything when it comes to racing is racing is certainly an expensive sport to be a part of. It is early January. We talked about the test coming up in February. So what do you do between now and February to get ready for the season? Uh, I assume you keep going to pit fit, but uh, are you going to be in the car at all between now and then or what do you have scheduled between now and mid-february yeah uh there's certainly you know you can go to the gym and just watch video and train at home and just try and prepare yourself for these tests as much as you can and then we'll be going to sebring a couple of times and then homestead again as well to uh just try and prepare the season but just we're, we're doing as much as we can to be able to be where we need to be when the season starts uh before i let you go i'm gonna go go ahead and let you uh Shout out to your sponsors. So uh, you can get good practice at, at uh, mentioning your sponsors here. Yeah, they're all a big part of my career, and I wouldn't be able to do this without them. Um, so as we mentioned earlier, big thanks to the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center. They're, uh, they're, they're definitely a big reason of why I'm being able to race this year, along with returning partners, Brown and Chapman. Um, they were a big help last year, and it's cool to have them on board again this year. Um, along with new partners, Brace for RP. Um, I'm another organization who I'm really excited to represent and try and try and uh, do good, along with um, High Alpha, Caldwell Subways and Caldwell Realty, Spruce Haven, Cold Brew Coffee, and Doug Marketing and Company. Um, they're all a big part of my career, and I wouldn't be where I am without them. So big thank you to all of them. Awesome. Good deal. Well, Jackson, we really appreciate your time. This week on the Racing Hub's uh, Pit Report, and uh, enjoy the last uh, month or so of the off season and your sophomore year in the USF 2000s. We'll look forward to watching uh, from afar and then uh, attending when uh, you guys come to Indianapolis for both uh, the Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and at Indianapolis Raceway Park. Thank you for having me. That's Jackson Lee here on the Racing Hub Spit Report. Stay tuned. We'll have a lot of news to get to from uh, the last few weeks that we've been off. Stay tuned. More of the Racing Hub Spit Report after this. And thank you, Jackson Lee, who will be getting set to make his sophomore season uh, start in the USF 2000 ranks. Of course, the son of our good friend Kevin Lee, who is the co-host of Trackside on 107.5 The Fan, as well as a pit reporter and broadcaster for... IndyCar on NBC. The season will get underway at the end of February at St. Petersburg. But uh, Brad, you were back with you. We hope all of you had a great new year, a great Christmas season. And we are back to racing here in 2022 already. We had the Tulsa shootout last week, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, I should say. And then uh, this week, the Chili Bowl, all week long on Mad TV and Flow Sports. They will have qualifying races all week long. And then on Saturday, all day long, what they call Alphabet Soup, which will begin with the lower letters and work your way up to the A main, in which the champion will be decided in about 350 different entries for what is traditionally the biggest sprint car race each and every year there in Tulsa, the Exposition Center in Oklahoma. So that is ongoing this week. You can watch on Flow TV 
uh, pay for that or on that TV Saturday night for the, I believe, CB and A mains will be on MAV TV with the rest of Flow Sports. But a lot of news has taken place over the last several weeks since we were last with you back in December. A couple of big stores, Lucas Oil Raceway, just down the road here in Brownsburg. They announced uh, back in December that they are going to rebrand and what is old is new again. And they will be named Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park beginning again this year. I know a lot of us who grew up in Indianapolis over the years knew the racetrack as Indianapolis Raceway Park, or IRP for short, before it became, I think it was O'Reilly's Raceway Park, and then Lucas Oil took over the sponsorship and became Lucas Oil Raceway. So good to have Indianapolis Raceway Park back into our lives as I look at a sign uh, just on the other side of my living room here in the apartment that says Lucas Oil Raceway, of course now Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Uh, Casey Kohler, a good friend of the show, uh, great news from them, uh, and that uh, all of us who knew that racetrack as IRP will get to call it IRP once again. So cannot wait to get back out there. Of course, a big year coming up for Indianapolis Raceway Park as they will have the NASCAR Camper World Truck Series returning to Indianapolis Raceway Park in July, as well as other sprint car races, the 500 Sprint Car Tour, the Thursday Night Thunder event, USAC with the night before, or carb night shootout, I should say, of Indianapolis 500 weekend and a lot of other races. Uh, a big year coming up for Indianapolis Raceway Park. 2020 and 2017 Indianapolis 500 champion, as we sort of speculated, Takuma Sato announced that he will be with Dale Corn Racing in the number 51 car, teaming with Rick Ware, which kind of replaces Romain Grosjean. So Takuma Sato will go home, go from Ray Hall Leatherman Lanigan Racing to Dale Corn Racing and Rick Ware uh, partnership in that number 51 car. So a new opportunity for him. And he could become a three-time Indianapolis 500 champion with three different teams if he could get to victory lane in May. Of course, he won with Andretti Autosport back in 2017 and then Ray Hall Leatherman Lanigan Racing in the August running of the Indianapolis 500 back in 2017. And 20. Also, some news. Dreyer and Ryan Bold announced they will run two cars in the Indianapolis 500 this year. And two very young and very talented young men, young drivers, will run for Dreyer and Ryan Bold. Sage Karam, who has been a one-off with that team for the last several years. And he will be joined by Santino Ferrucci. Of course, Ferrucci drove for Dale Corn Racing the last couple of years and has been running some NASCAR Xfinity races in the meantime as well. So Karam and Ferrucci will run for Dreyer and Ryan Bull Racing, which has a strong history at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We'll see them in May for the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. James Hinchcliffe announced he is stepping away from full-time IndyCar Series racing, and he will join the NBC broadcast booth with Lee Deffy and Townsend Bell. So James Hinchcliffe will be in the broadcast booth for IndyCar races this coming year, replacing Paul Tracy, who was leaving NBC and uh, did not get his contract renewed. So James Hinchcliffe, lead Deputy Townsend Bell, will be in the booth. Hinchcliffe did do some television work a couple years ago as kind of a special pit reporter on the side, as well as driving some races uh, until he got that full-time ride with Andretti Autosport. But James Hinchcliffe, uh, looks like his full-time IndyCar Series uh, career may be over 
But uh, who knows? I'm sure he'll be in the race car in something. Maybe we'll see him in some NASCAR. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But James Hinchcliffe will step into the television booth for NBC with Lee Deffy and Townsend Bell replacing Paul Tracy, who was in the booth for the last several seasons. And some news that we anticipated, and not a huge surprise, but we did learn that Carvana and seven-time NASCAR Cup champion Jimmy Johnson with Chip Ganassi Racing, he will attempt a full season in that number 48 car, including a rookie start in the Indianapolis 500. Of course, he won on the Oval at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway four times in the stock car in the Brickyard 400. But Jimmy Johnson last year, at the age of 45, decided to make the switch from NASCAR to IndyCar. He ran the road and street course races with Tony Kanaan driving the ovals in that number 48 car. This year, Jimmy Johnson will take full control of that 48 car and uh, will be a part of that rookie class for the Indianapolis 500. So just think about that rookie class coming up here. Jimmy Johnson, Romain Grosjean, a couple of examples who will be in that rookie class and will have to go through ROP to get ready for the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. You know, this 500 grid... And the entry list could be one of the strongest in recent memory, so we cannot wait for the month of May, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and Jimmy Johnson, Roman Grosjean, and others, uh, uh, rookies that will be making their first attempt at the Indianapolis 500. So Jimmy Johnson, once again, will be in the oval, uh, will be in the race car for every race in the 2022 IndyCar Series season. There is some uh, other news involving IndyCar drivers, but in other forms of racing. We'll begin with Juan Pablo Montoya, of course, a two-time champion of the Indianapolis 500 in 2000 and 2015. Now, he'll drive an LMP2 entry for Dragon Speed, including adding his son Sebastian at the 12 Hours of Sebring in March. So Juan Pablo Montoya and his son Sebastian, you'll see them in the same race car, not the 24 Hours of Daytona in January and a few weeks from now, but in March at the 12 Hours of Sebring. So a family affair in that Dragon Speed entry. Really cool to see Juan Pablo Montoya be able to drive with his son. You know, kind of reminds you of Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the 2001 Rolex 24. Of course, just a couple of weeks before Dale Earnhardt Sr. was killed in the Daytona 500. But Juan and Sebastian Montoya will be in the Dragon Speed car at the 12 Hours of Sebring and in other races as well, perhaps at Le Mans later this summer as well. Henrik Hedman will be the other full-time driver in the LMP2 car for Dragon Speed. So Juan Pablo Montoya and Henrik Hedman, and then they will add their son, uh, or add Juan's son, Sebastian, to the 12 Hours of Sebring ride coming up in mid-March down in Florida. And speaking of former Indianapolis 500 champions and F1 drivers, how about 1995 Indianapolis 500 ch uh, champion Jacques Villeneuve is testing a Rayum Brothers Cup car at Daytona. We may see him in the Daytona 500 coming up next month. So look out for Jacques Villeneuve in that Rayum Brothers Cup car. He's driven stock cars. He's driven F1. He's driven Indy cars. He's driven it all. But a name from the past, a name you may not have heard for a while, Jacques Villeneuve, uh, perhaps, perhaps not official, I don't think, yet for driving in the Daytona 500 or being entered for the Daytona 500, but he is at least testing that race car at Daytona, getting ready for that Rayum brothers making their uh, first season as a team in the NASCAR Cup Series coming up in 2022. Lewis Hisemans will run the road course races. That was 
previously announced, Dolores Henselmans will drive road course races for that Raoul Brothers entry. Of course, that will begin uh, at the Circuit of the Americas coming up in March. So that will be his first start in that race car. And one more note, we talked about Sage Karam just a moment ago about he being with Dryer Rival Racing for the Indianapolis 500 in 2022. We have also learned he will drive some select NASCAR Xfinity races for Alpha Prime Racing. He's done some Xfinity races in the last couple of years, but uh, he will do some more for the Alpha Prime Racing team here in 2022 as well. So Sage Karam getting his fill of racing for sure. Although he's not a full-time IndyCar driver, not a full-time NASCAR driver, but kind of putting a mix and match of his calendar together. So a good young talent uh, getting an opportunity in both forms of racing with Ryan Rainbow for the Indy 500 and then with Alpha Prime Racing for a few Xfinity races. I know he is still trying to make it a full-time career uh, in racing. Of course, I'm sure he'll have some sports car duties this coming season as well when it comes to IMSA sports car series. And then as far as some business news is concerned, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway announced that PPG will serve as the title uh, sponsor of Qualification Weekend for the Indianapolis 500. That will be May the 21st and 22nd. PPG was the title sponsor for CART from 1990 to 1997. Of course, they're the sponsor of the Borg Warner Trophy, which goes to the winner of the Indianapolis 500 as well. So another blast from the past returning to open wheel racing in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So a good welcome back to PPG. They will be the title sponsor of Qualification Weekend for the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. And it will be a very entertaining one. Of course, May 21st, we'll have a regular qualifying day where spots 1 through 30 will be locked into the field. And then on Sunday, you'll have the Fast 9 shootout for the first three rows and the pole for the 106th Indianapolis 500 and the bump day shootout there for 31 on back to determine the final row and who will make the race, who will miss the race. Uh, we should not be that too terribly far away from an entry list, uh, or at least an initial entry list for the Indianapolis 500. We may see that in the next month or so. Uh, we do believe there will be maybe 36, 37, 38 entries possible for the Indianapolis 500. We'll, of course, keep you updated on that and let you know when it does become officially released. But we do expect bumping once again at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Sunday, May the 22nd, when you have the combination of pull day and bump day for the Indianapolis 500. Always a very exciting weekend at the world's greatest race course. And I forgot to mention, when I was talking about IndyCar drivers doing other things. How about 2019 Indianapolis 500 champion Simon Pagano, who of course just left Team Penske to drive for Meyer Shank Racing. Well, he will run the Rolex 24-hour race with Meyer Shank Racing and his IndyCar teammate there, Elio Castroneves, will be a part of that team. Oliver Jarez and Tom Blumvist will also be the four in that Meyer Shank Racing car coming up at the end of this month at Daytona. They have the roar to the 24 in just a couple of weeks, so January the 21st and 22nd. That will include qualifying this year for the Rolex 24 as well as a race. And then the 24-hour race will begin on Saturday, January the 29th and finish on Sunday, January the 30th uh, to officially get the racing season underway if uh, you don't follow the Chili Bowl going on this week, which is kind of the official start of the 2022 racing season. But IMSA and the 24 hours of Daytona not too terribly far away 
And those races can be seen on NBC, Peacock, and on the USA Network this year. Remember, NBCSN is gone, so USA Network will pick up a lot of the cable races for IMSA, IndyCar, and NASCAR in this 2022 season. And before we go over to the NASCAR front with some news over there, some sad news on a couple of occasions here. Four-time champion of the Indianapolis 500, Al Unser, Winning in 1970, in 1971, in 1978, and in 1987. Passed away at the age of 82 after a long bout with cancer. As he passed away on Thursday, December the 9th, again at the age of 82 years old. After a long bout with cancer, it's been a rough go for the Hunter family. Of course, his brother Bobby passed away in 2021, earlier in the year. So, Al Hunter and Bobby Hunter both passed away. Uh, in the second half of 2021, so a tough go for the Unser family. Our thoughts and prayers go out to, to them. Also, to the family of Kevin Kalkoven, who was the former cart leader and was kind of the head of cart during the split back in the mid-90s. He passed away late in December as well. So Kevin Kalkoven, uh, he was a former team owner and a former cart leader. Uh, passing away. Of course, he was teamed up with Jimmy Vassar at uh, KVM Racing as the co-owner of that race team uh, back earlier in the 2010s decade. So Kevin Kalkov and Al Unser both have passed away. So sad news in the racing world over the last month uh, since we last joined you in December. And then to some F1 news, uh, some happier news here. We do know that F1 will run in Miami coming up in May of this year. But then the deal with Austin and the Circuit of the Americas has been extended for another five years. So there will now be two F1 races for the foreseeable future in the United States for Formula One race fans in Miami in May and in Austin. That will take place in the fall in October so F1 will return to the Circuit of the Americas. I know there may have been some questions about that and if Circuit of the Americas was going to continue. So they will have NASCAR and Formula One in Austin, Texas here for the years to come. The NASCAR race weekend will be in March. F1 will be in the fall. And then the other F1 race around the streets of Miami Stadium uh, there in uh, South Florida. That will take place in May right around Indianapolis 500 qualifying. So uh, F1 and Austin, Texas, Circuit of the Americas, uh, they will stay on the schedule uh, for at least the next five years. So good news for the folks there in Central Texas. And then we'll talk about some NASCAR, a lot of driver's news here uh, as we get set for NASCAR season to get underway officially on February the 6th with the Clash at the LA Memorial Coliseum just about three weeks away and then the Daytona 500 a couple weeks later on February the 20th. Uh, Todd Bodine, uh, we talked about him last year. We know the races he will run and with who now he will run at Las Vegas, in Darlington, in Texas, in Sonoma, Nashville, and Pocono with Halmer Friesen Racing to get him to that magical number of 800 national starts in his career between the Camping World Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Cup Series. So Todd Bodine will run those uh, six races to get him 
to 800 with Helmer Friesen Racing, Friesen, uh, Stuart Friesen, a driver, is the co-owner of that team. So it'll be good to see Todd Bodine, who had been with NASCAR on Fox uh, with the Camping World Truck Series coverage uh, pre- and post-race shows. He will be back in that race truck uh, beginning in Las Vegas in March and then in Darlington, the Texas Motor Speedway, Sonoma, which the Camping World Truck Series is returning out there to wine country this year. The Nashville Super Speedway and will finish it at the Pocono Raceway. Uh, that will be this summer. So good to see Todd Bodine back in a race car. We do know that Calig, the Cup Series uh, car, the other car for Calig Racing, Daniel Hembrick, A.J. Allmendinger, and Noah Gregson, which were three of the four 2021 Xfinity Championship four, they will split up the other Calig Cup car in 2022 and team with Justin Haley, the Winnemac, Indiana native, who will be running the full-time car for Colleague Racing in 2022. All three of those drivers will remain full-time in the Xfinity Series. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger will run the other Colleague Racing car in the Xfinity Series full-time. Uh, Daniel Hemrick, Noah Gregson will be a part of that team. So kind of an all-star lineup, if you will, for that Colleague Cup car, that number 16 car in 2022 in the NASCAR Cup Series with Daniel Hemrick, A.J. Allmendinger, and Noah Gregson. Justin Haley, the full-time driver in Cup for Colleague. Uh, so good to see that announced uh, this week. Our Motorsports will have three, cup, uh, three Xfinity cars as well with Jeb Burton, who comes over from uh, to Our Motorsports from Colleague Racing, as well as Brett Moffitt and Anthony Alfredo. Brett Moffitt has been with that team. Anthony Alfredo is jumping down from the NASCAR Cup Series where he was with uh, where he drove in the NASCAR Cup Series last year in that number 38 car. Ryan Priest uh, will not have a full-time ride in the NASCAR Cup Series, but he will be a reserve driver for Stuart Haas Racing this year. So he will have some work to do, so good to see him. He is, of course, a modified champion in the NASCAR lower rankings. Uh, Matt DiBenedetto, another one who drove for the Wood Brothers in the NASCAR Cup Series, he will drive... A full-time effort for the NASCAR Camper World Truck Series for Rackley War Racing, or WAR Racing. So Matt DiMenedetto, although he won't be in the cup car, and he came oh so close to some wins last year for the Wood Brothers. Of course, Harrison Burton will be taking over that Wood Brothers ride in 2022. Matt DiMenedetto will drive in the trucks. Uh, some interesting sponsorship news here. Speaking of college racing, college racing has been in the news quite a bit here, but Invest Voyager, the cryptocurrency company, they will pay college racing in regular dollars, or the team, I should say, the crew members, the crew chief, the engineers, regular dollars, but they'll be paying their driver landing Castle in crypto. And Castle will drive that number 10 car in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, teaming up with A.J. Allmendinger. So, when you get to crypto, I'll admit that confuses the living daylights out of me, as I like to be paid in regular dollars as well. I don't really understand the whole cryptocurrency and all of that. That's uh, well above my head. And uh, if anybody's out there who's listening and wants to teach me if it's a good investment and something I should get involved with, well, let me know. Uh, <laughs> be Huber 90. But uh, Landing Castle will be paid in crypto. I hear that could be good, that could be bad. You know, just depending on uh, how crypto is currently looking, sort of like in stocks, I guess, if you will. And so Landon Castle, he will be paid in cryptocurrency with Invest Forager, uh, which will be a full-time effort with Colleague Racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series coming up 
in 2022. And one final note, which was actually announced this week, but Eric Almarola, driver of the number 10 machine for Stuart Haas Racing in the Cup Series, he announced he will retire at the end of 2022 to spend more time with family. So he'll step away from that number 10 car after this season to spend time uh, with his family as uh, he's come so close to wins. I believe he won at Daytona, maybe in the summer race at one point in time, maybe at Talladega as well. But Eric Amarillo, who's been a mainstay in the NASCAR Cup Series, first with Richard Petty Motorsports and now Stuart Haas, he'll be leaving in 2022. And now some news involving the 2022 IndyCar Series schedule, which actually just came in as I was recording this episode of the Racing Hub's Pit Report. But the times have been announced for the IndyCar Series and the start times for the races. The first race, we can now say, for the streets of St. Petersburg on Sunday, February the 27th on NBC. That will be a noon start. Then they will head to the Texas Motor Speedway on March the 20th, a Sunday afternoon, a 12.30 Eastern Time start on NBC. Sunday, April 10th, the streets of Long Beach at 3 o'clock start on NBC. Barber Motorsports Park in Alabama, that will be a 12.30 start on NBC on Sunday, May 1st. And then the IndyCar Grand Prix, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, a 3 o'clock start on NBC. Uh, qualifying weekend, we don't know the official times yet. But that will be Saturday, May the 21st, Sunday, May the 22nd. We don't know television for that yet. But uh, the Indianapolis 500-mile race, one oh, the 106 running the Indianapolis 500-mile race, Co- television coverage will begin at 11 a.m. with the green flag just after noon, as it has been for the last few years. And then they move up to Belle Isle, which will be the final race at Belle Isle before it moves to the streets of downtown Detroit. That will be on the USA Network at 3 o'clock. On Sunday, June the 5th, only one race up there this year on the streets of Belle Isle on Sunday, as that has been a double header in years past on Saturday and on Sunday. Uh, the final race on the park of Belle Isle, kind of there in the Detroit River between Detroit and Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Road America, Sunday, June the 12th on NBC at 12.30 Eastern Time. Then they will head to the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course Sunday, July the 3rd. That will be a noon start on NBC. Then Toronto, currently scheduled. Of course, pandemic you know, could lead to some changes, especially up in Toronto, Canada. That is exclusively going to be on Peacock with a 3 o'clock start, scheduled Sunday, July the 17th. A doubleheader at the Iowa Speedway, both races on NBC. A 4 o'clock start on Saturday, July the 23rd, and then a 3 o'clock start on Sunday, July the 24th. And then the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that will be a noon race on NBC. Uh, of course, then after that will be the Xfinity race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Sunday, July 31st, the NASCAR Cup race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. The streets of Nashville, they return there Sunday, August the 7th, 3 o'clock on NBC. Worldwide Technology Raceway of Gateway, just outside St. Louis, just outside uh, the Mississippi River, on the other side of the Mississippi River, from St. Louis in Illinois, a 6 o'clock start on USA Network, and then they will finish the season with two West West Coast races, I should say, the Portland International Raceway, Sunday, September 4th, that is Labor Day weekend at 3 o'clock on NBC, and then WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, for the championship race on Sunday, September the 11th on NBC at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So that is the 2022 IndyCar Series schedule. We knew the dates. We knew the 
racetracks and we knew the channels, but we now know the start times for the 2022 NTT IndyCar Series schedule. Now just about six weeks away on the streets of St. Petersburg for a noon race to kick off the season, not in mid-March this year, but in late February. So that will pretty much do it with all the news we have. We do know the Chili Bowl is this week. We'll talk about that here next week and recap that. The Rolex 24 just a few weeks away, and they'll be off and running for the 2022 racing season. Of course, USAC, they announced their schedule. Uh, that will be on USAC Racing website. Um, also, the 500 Sprint Car Tour. They will have four races at the Anderson Speedway. That will get underway Saturday, May the 28th with the Little 500, and Saturday, July 9th. For the Glenn Nebel Classic, the Gene Nolan Classic, Saturday, July 30th, and then the Tony Elliott Classic on Thursday, October the 6th. They will have three races at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. That will begin with the season opening race on Saturday, March the 26th. The open, open wheel opening day, and then they'll have the Thursday Night Thunder reunion on Thursday, June the 30th, and then the championship on Saturday, October the 22nd. For the Open Wheel Championship, two races at the Berlin Raceway up in Michigan and one at the Plymouth Raceway. They just announced a deal with Flow Racing and Mad TV. So that will be on television for the 10 race deal as well beginning Saturday, March 26th at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. But that will do it for this edition of the Racing Hub Spit Report. Again, a special thanks to our guest Jackson Lee from the USF 2000, Cape Motorsports, in his sophomore year. Uh, I'm Brad Huber here in a very cold Indianapolis, Indiana. And I also want to dedicate this show to my dad, Rich Huber, who passed away on Sunday, December the 19th at the age of 60 due to Leo Myosarcoma. Uh, it's been a very difficult last few weeks here for the Huber family and for all of us here in central Indiana. So, uh, again, our... As we have been heartbroken over these last couple weeks, he was the guy who got me interested in racing as we went to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the first time in 1996. And uh, we went to about a dozen Indianapolis 500 since then. Again, my dad, Rich Huber, passing at the age of 60. So this show and this uh, Racing Hub Spit Report dedicated to him here this week. But uh, thank you for listening. I'm Brad Huber. We will talk to you again. Here soon, enjoy the Chili Bowl this week on Flow Sports and Mad TV. We'll recap that and uh, get ready for the Rolex 24 here in the next couple of weeks and have all the latest news here in the next couple of weeks as the 2022 racing season is upon us here across the country. I'm Brad Huber. Again, special thanks to Jackson Lee. We'll talk to you soon on the Racing Hub Spit Report.